Amen. Thank you, Mr. Sam. Aren't you thankful for the friend we have in Jesus? What a blessing it is to be here today, and it's good to see so many familiar faces, but it's also exciting to see some new faces, thank the Lord, and then a few strange faces. But I don't want to make fun of my two brother Johns over here, so I'll leave them alone. We share grandchildren, so I can pick on them just a little bit. Brother Carneal and Brother Overturf, good to see you and your family. Got to see them in the meeting this week, and some of your young people came, and, and others came over. We were over in Cameron, and I uh, had been asked by Brother Jim Mackey if I wouldn't mind just to take this opportunity to straighten his brother out, but I told him, I don't have that much time. I've got to preach this morning. So, uh, <laughs> And then I said, secondly, he's in the sound booth, he could cut me off, so I won't do that. But what an honor to be here this morning. We love your pastor. I'll tell you, Brother Marshall has been my friend for many, many years, and I count it an honor to stand in this pulpit. I don't take it lightly, especially as he is preaching this morning in New Mexico, the trust that he's given to me as his friend, as a preacher of the gospel. I don't take that lightly, and we are honored to be here, and we just look forward to being with you again tonight. And just trust that God will meet with us in a wonderful way. And uh, I'm going to ask you to go in just a moment. I'm going to read the scriptures, but I want to begin with the story. And uh, we'll get right into the message. And I had a wonderful meal last night. We're thankful for that. Got to be with Miss Marshall and Miss Emily and got some good fellowship. And, you know, it's good for my wife and uh, Miss Pam to be able to fellowship together. And I did feel a little outnumbered, but that's okay. And uh, they had the whole uh, time of the meal to you know, straighten me out. But anyway, we had a great time. But it is a joy to be here this morning. And uh, we're going to be going in just a moment to the book of Esther, chapter number 8. The book of Esther, chapter number 8. And uh, But I want to begin by sharing something with you, and then we'll read our scripture in just a moment. Missionary Mel Neal told the amazing story of a man who was in a bus accident in Argentina And he was the sole survivor of the accident. He was so severely injured that eventually he was sent to New York where he spent over two years in the hospital enduring many surgeries and rehabilitation. While he was in the States going through all of this process of getting helped and getting healed up, his wife told everyone he had died. She had his funeral and moved on with her life. When he finally got back to Argentina, the first place he went was to his mother's house, who, being a very superstitious woman, when she saw him, thought she saw a ghost. She had a heart attack and later died. No one seemed to believe it was him. Even his own family, he would try to tell them who he was, but according to the records, even at City Hall, he was dead. His wife had buried him. He was so devastated, he considered taking his life. But as he was contemplating suicide, someone told him, you need to go see that missionary. Perhaps he could help you. We're reading in Esther chapter 8, beginning in verse number 4. Esther chapter 8 and verse number 4. And you can stand if you're able. Esther chapter 8 and verse number 4. Then the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther rose and stood before the king and said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in thy sight, and the thing seem right before the king, and I be pleasing in his eyes, 
Let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews which are in all the king's provinces. There's 127 provinces and word had gone out because of Haman that all the Jews were to be put to death. And of course, we'll come back to that in a moment. But verse 6 says, For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come upon my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the, king, for the Jews as it uh, liketh you in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name and the seal with the king's ring may no man reverse. Then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, that is the month Sivan, on the three and twentieth day thereof, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews and to the lieutenants and the deputies and rulers of the provinces which are from India unto Ethiopia, 127 provinces unto each province according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing and according to their language. And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name and sealed it with the king's ring and sent letters by posts on horseback and riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries. Father, would you bless the reading of your word and would you give us clarity of thought and the power from on high as we preach that which you've laid upon our heart. Bless the service, bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're familiar with this amazing book of Esther, perhaps one of the greatest books in the Old Testament that really shows the providence of God and how that God works and how that God is interested in every single life. And you're familiar, and I won't take time to go through all of it, but I would remind you that, first of all, the problem in the kingdom. There was a man by the name of Haman who hated Mordecai. He wanted Mordecai to bow down to him. He, of course, did not deserve that kind of loyalty, nor did he deserve uh, that kind of accolade. As a matter of fact, he was of a people that should have been destroyed by Israel a long time ago. But nevertheless, Mordecai didn't bow to him and it made him mad. So in the book of Esther, we see the plan unfold. Now if you'll remember, uh, Esther, of course, is related to Mordecai. Uh, Mordecai is, uh, we often hear him called her uncle, but actually an older cousin that adopted her. And uh, she came to live with him. And of course, they were taken, or he was taken in the dispersion. And as a result of that, her parents are already dead. And so he's had influence in her life. And in chapter 1, of course, the queen uh, at that time, Vashti refuses the king's absurd command. Uh, so as a result of that, they put a search out in the kingdom. And it's interesting to me when Esther is one of those that is uh, chosen to be considered. Uh, it's a wonderful study in chapter 2 how that uh, preparation was made. These ladies that were brought there could uh, do anything that they desired to do to be presentable to the king, and, and, uh, and as a result of that, they were really given a blank check to go shopping. Imagine that, ladies, if you were told, hey, you can go shopping, get anything you want, there's no limit, and here's your charge card, have a good time. But when it came to Esther's turn, she had a, a gentleman that oversaw her and her ladies, and she had found favor, and when it came her turn, she doesn't ask for that credit card, but she says to him, listen, you know the king, you know what he likes. 
So you tell me what to do and that's what I'll do because if you know the King... By the way, isn't that a good picture of the Holy Spirit? In every area of our life, wouldn't it be good if instead of us just saying, well, here's what I want to do, here's where I want to go, here's how I want to live, if we just said, hey, look, uh, Lord, you're, you're the Holy Spirit. You know what pleases the King. So you tell me, Lord, whatever I do, wherever I go, whatever I say, however I live, Lord, let my life be pleasing to the King. Well, we go on and Haman is going to put Mordecai to death. Gets the king to agree to it. They put a commandment out. Seals it with the king's ring. That on a certain day, all of the Jews in the province are going to die. It's interesting, he hated one man. But his hatred for one man caused him to hate all mankind. And by the way, we know as it is in our life. The Bible said that by one man, sin entered into the world. The devil tempted Adam and Eve and they fell in sin. And because of that, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's none righteous, no, not one. And by the way, according to the law, according to God's commandments, we could never save ourselves. Matter of fact, we come to understand through Paul's writing that the Old Covenant or the Old Testament was given to prove to us that it was impossible for us to live sinless and perfect and be able to make ourselves good enough to get to heaven. We could never do it on our own. Listen, I don't care how hard you try, how many new leaves you turn over, how many bad habits you give up until you get born again by the grace of God. You cannot have new life. You will die and spend eternity in hell separated from God forever. And so he puts the commandment out and as a result of this, of course, uh, we know that uh, uh, Mordecai gets word to Esther and says, hey, Haman's going to kill all the Jews and don't think just because you live in the palace you're going to get by. And uh, you remember what she said when she realized what was going on. She said, I'll go before the king. It may cost me my life, but if I perish, I perish. Well, she goes to the king. Haman's plan is uh, brought to light and we see the plan of Haman to have the Jews put to death. But we see the prevention by the king. Haman's plot was revealed to the king. When he becomes aware what Haman was really doing, what this was all about, the Bible tells us that he not only saw what uh, he was trying to do, but then ultimately had him put to death. Haman had built gallows, the Bible said, to kill Mordecai on, and ultimately to get word out to kill all the Jews. And instead, Haman ends up hanging on his own gallows. By the way, I'm glad to report you today uh, that though the devil may at times seems like he has the upper hand, his doom has already been settled, friend. Let me tell you something. Uh, hell was created for the devil and his angels. God doesn't want you to go there. He doesn't want any man, woman, boy, or girl to spend eternity there. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But I'm telling you, one of these days, the Bible said the devil which deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. It will happen as sure as I'm standing here. He is going to spend eternity suffering in the torments of that place called hell for all that He's done to destroy the lives of mankind. But then we see in our account here not only the problem in the kingdom, but notice the petition of Esther. You know, you'd think they'd be excited. Haman's dead. The enemy's gone. Everything should be fine. But she realizes even though Haman was dead, the law is still there. Even though... Haman is dead. There's still a law out there that requires that all the Jews would die. By the way, let me tell you something. Because Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it's appointed unto men once to die. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. 
And because of that, she makes a plea to the king and her petition comes before the king. And she appeals to him and said, even though Haman is dead, let me just remind you what's going to happen to the Jews. She recognizes that only the king has the power to change anything. By the way, Adam and Eve could do nothing to fix the problem in their life. When Adam and Eve realized they had sinned in the garden, the Bible said that they tried to hide from God. Can you imagine trying to hide from God? The Bible said they hid themselves. And God came and said, you know, Adam, where art thou? Now, it wasn't because God didn't know where Adam was at. It wasn't like God was up in heaven going, now where did that guy go? I created him. Where did he go? No, no. God knew right where Adam was at. But God wanted Adam to know where Adam was at. And so God said, Adam, where art thou? He said, I hid myself. Uh, why? Well, I was naked. Wow, how'd that happen? Because we ate of that tree that you told us not to eat of, and we sinned against you. And because of that, judgment came upon them, and it's appointed unto men once to die. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Listen, without a doubt, apart from God working in a divine way, there would be nothing you could do to escape eternal death in hell. But then we notice big number three. Oh, by the way, i got five big points this morning. Somebody say amen. I always like to know how many big points a guy's got so I know when I can say amen for real. Big number three. Just kidding. Notice, if you would, the promise of the king. In verses 7 and 8, as she's made her appeal to the king and explained to him how that even though uh, Haman is dead, what's going to happen to my people? And so the king said unto Esther the uh, queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him that have uh, him ha- uh, they have hanged upon the gallows because he laid hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For writing, uh, for the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring, may no man reverse. We notice the promise of the king. You see, we notice what the king had already provided. He had already destroyed the enemy. He had already taken care of it. By the way, folks, I want you to understand, from the moment that Satan rebelled against God, his doom was sealed. It's not like there's a chance he's going to win this thing. It may look bleak at times. It may look like the world is turned upside down. But I've got good news for your dear friend. We're still on the winning side. If you're a child of God, you're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave Himself for us. But we see the king uh, had provided by destroying the enemy. But notice what the king proposed. We see not only the law's demand, the old covenant said, the old commandment said, all the Jews had to die. So the king, the lawgiver's delight was... Let's get a new commandment. Let's get a new covenant. What he was saying is, I cannot do away with the old unless I write a new covenant. What has been written has been written. It's already sealed. By the way, uh, when the New Testament came along, it doesn't mean that we no longer pay any attention to the Old Testament. The Bible is the Word of God from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And yet we recognize the Old Testament was given, as Paul said, as a, as a schoolmaster. It was given to teach us that we could never do anything to save ourselves. Try as hard as you can. By the way, there, there, there are ten main commandments. So we know there's a lot of commandments in the Old Testament. But we talk about the ten commandments. Did you know there's not one person sitting in this room today that has not broken the ten commandments? You say, well, Brother Graham, I hadn't broken all of them. But the Bible said if you've broken one, you're guilty of all. 
In other words, God is proving to man you could never be good enough or righteous enough. In fact, as he said, our righteousness, the best we could do is as filthy rags. And so he said, what we've got to do, the law's demand is there. So we see the lawgiver's delight. He said, I'll make a new commandment. I cannot do away with the old unless I write a new commandment. By the way, Jesus Christ is that new covenant. We have been bought through the price of His own shed blood. And He was raised to life three days later. And the old enemy is conquered. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, you'll remember in verse 15, as God was dealing with Adam and Eve and with Satan, as He has that conversation, He says to the devil, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. God said there's going to be a battle. Boy, that battle's still raging, isn't it? But he said, not only is there going to be a battle, he said there's going to be a birth. And here's the prophecy. Here's the promise all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 of a miraculous birth. Here's what the Bible said. God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. Now that's unusual. In your Bible, you will read time and time again where the Bible talks about the seed of a man. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot, you know, right on down the line. But in Genesis 3.15, God spoke about the seed of a woman. Well, what was God saying? That there would one day be a birth unlike any other birth. It would be that supernatural virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin without the aid of a man. That seed placed there by the Holy Ghost of God. And by the way, Jesus didn't have His beginning in Bethlehem's manger. No, no. He is eternal God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The great Creator of this universe humbled Himself, took upon Himself the form of a man, and came and walked among men so that He might purchase our redemption at the cross of Calvary. He was not forced to go to Calvary, but He willingly came to be that new covenant to give salvation to every man, woman, boy, and girl. Listen, if you're here today and you've never been saved, I want you to understand God loved you so much. He sent His darling Son to die on the cross to take your sins, to take my sins, to have them nailed upon Himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us. The Bible said He who was rich for our sakes became poor that we through His poverty might be rich. He left the splendor of heaven knowing His destiny. Why? Because He wanted to purchase our redemption. And Jesus was and is that new covenant, that new law, that new testament, if you want to say it like that. When Jesus came, He conquered Satan at the cross. When He said it is finished, listen, when Jesus paid the price for our salvation, three days later rose again, triumphant over death, hell, and the grave, He made it possible for every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl to escape the law that said you must die and go to hell and that you can one day, dear friend, know the joy of being in His presence for all eternity by the grace of God. Well, that's a wonderful truth and a wonderful promise. But then notice fourthly, the proclamation to the people. Now the king says, Esther, you're right. I did kill Haman. Esther, you're right. We are going to free the Jews from this law and write a new law and seal it with my ring. But can I tell you something? If they all sat around at the office and said, well, wasn't that good? We got a new law. The Jews don't have to die. Do you understand if they didn't get that message out, 
There were people in the kingdom. By the way, 127 provinces, and you've got to understand, they didn't have internet. They didn't go on Facebook. They didn't spread it through social media. They had very limited means of getting word out. And it was not very many more days until the Jews were going to be put to death. And as a result of that commandment that Haman had put out, even though Haman was dead, all across the land in just a short time, Jews are going to be put to death because of that old covenant. The king had written a new law and said, hey, hey, the Jews can live. And he wrote that new covenant, sealed it with his ring. But it would do no good if the message didn't get out. Look folks, if we don't get the word out about the new commandment, the new covenant, the New Testament, if we don't get word out about Jesus dying on the cross, paying sin's debt, and the way of salvation to all mankind, can I tell you something? The message means nothing. There are people around the world that have never once heard the Gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way, not just around the world, right here in America. Listen, I've knocked doors and been shocked to meet people who have never even heard a clear presentation of the Gospel. I've led people to the Lord who in the, when I first met them, they had only known of Jesus Christ as a curse word. They had never heard how Jesus died and paid their sin to living right here in America, living in the Bible Belt as it were in Arkansas. Lady in the hospital one day, 50-some years of age, someone had given her a New Testament. She said, what is this? And it happened to be a Gideon's New Testament. I opened it. It was a King James Version. I said, hey, this is the New Testament. This is the Word of God. The Bible has the Old and the New Testament. And she said, well, I thought that might have been what it was, but I said, you mean you've never seen a Bible before? She said, I never have. She said, I only went to church one time, and that was to a funeral. And she said, as a little girl, I used to ask my mom if we could go to church, but she never would take us. And she said, I guess I just never saw the need for it. I said, ma'am, could I show you some things in that little New Testament? What a joy it was to open the Word of God. And begin in the Gospel of John. I started there and told her who Jesus was. And then told her what it said in John chapter 1 and verse 11. He came unto His own. His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on His name. Went from there. Took her through over some Scriptures in Romans that saw her call on the Lord. A lady who had never heard the Gospel presented to her. Lived nearly 60 years in Arkansas and never heard the Gospel. I want to tell you something. All over this world, there's still an answer. Our nation's in a mess, and boy, we can get all stirred up about politics, but I'm going to tell you what the answer to America is, it's Jesus Christ. I can tell you what the answer to the world's needs is, it's the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And all across this world, there are people who are dying, and they're on their way out into eternity, and they're just longing for somebody to give them hope, and that hope is wrapped up in one single message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We have the truth. We sit here with the blessings of knowing we're on our way to heaven, but we have a responsibility to get the gospel to the regions beyond us. So the king said, now Haman, we've got this new commandment, but you've got to get the word out everywhere and do it with haste. I love verse number 10. The Bible said as, as the king has given his commandment, uh, the Bible said and he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name and sealed it with the king's ring and sent letters by post on horseback and Riders on mules and camels and young dromedaries. In other words, as they started getting the message out, they said, we got to use every means that we can. By the way, I'm not talking about cheapening the Gospel. But I like this. They used horses. You know, horses are kind of fast for the short distance. Um, I love horses. I used to raise horses. I, I, I used to ride them. I, I, I enjoy watching uh, horses. They're just a beautiful animal. And I had a good friend of mine who used to let me keep my horses at his place. He called them hay burners. He couldn't stand them. And I told him, I said, man, just think, 
That's what they used to plow your ground with. He said, yeah, thank God for tractors. But anyway, but the horses were used for the short distance. To me, I get a picture with the horses of being like the pastor and the people here in this church. The bus ministry, Sunday school, all the tools that you use locally on that fast pace, moving week after week. Man, we can go the short distance around our community, around our county, and get the Word out. You know, we can represent the Gospel message right here. By the way, this is Missions Month, and Missions Month is about getting the Gospel to the regions beyond. But let's don't forget our neighbor. Let's don't forget the people next door. Let's don't forget that St. Joe needs Jesus Christ. Let's not forget that we have a responsibility to the communities around us to get that Gospel message out. That Jesus is still the answer. But then not only the horses, he said the mules. (laughs) You'll like this. The mules are more sure-footed for the mountains and the more difficult places. That's a good picture of the evangelist. Maybe going a little further, going out a little longer, maybe driving a little further to get the gospel to other places. Sometimes evangelists come along and partner with a church, maybe in a revival meeting. Sometimes an evangelist will be used, uh, as, the, as the preacher said a while ago, to maybe help in a family conference or help in a missions conference. Maybe sometimes to help a new church get planted and maybe help them in their struggling uh, beginnings to grow and knock doors and reach the area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of those things are such a blessing, but just another tool, just another means of getting the gospel out. And then I think of about the camels. He talked about uh, the, uh, the, the dromedaries. He talked about uh, how that the camels would go and boy, they're built for the long distance. That's a good picture of our missionaries taking the extreme challenges. Missionaries that are going global. Sometimes missionaries... You, you get amazed sometimes at where missionaries are going to go and take the Gospel. Man, we, we've seen missionaries have taken the Gospel to some of the most unusual places. And, and sometimes leave things. Oh, by the way, Sometimes we're afraid to become a missionary for fear that we're going to get asked of God to do something that would just be so horrendous. And can I say, it wouldn't hurt any of us to get out of our comfort zone every once in a while. And for some of us, getting out of our comfort zone is just knocking on a door, passing out a track. We love, I've made many mission trips, and I'm not saying that to boast. I rejoice every door that God's opened, wherever He's allowed me to go. See, Brother Graham, I'd get so nervous. I, I'm so afraid to fly. Well, I'll be honest with you, I'm sure glad I can fly to some of these places. I'd hate to travel there like Paul did. <laughs> you say, well, I'd go on a ship. Yeah, well, nowadays we've got ships that move a little faster than they did in Paul's day. But I'll tell you what, I, I don't mind to be out of my comfort zone for a little bit. Uh, even maybe stay in places that aren't as comfortable as home to be able to share the gospel with people. Man, what a joy that is. I remember our first trip to Russia. I told this the other night, we... We were in Russia and an English teacher said, I'd like to have a copy of the Bible. And She said, I'd really like to have a King James English Bible. She said, I like the way that it reads. And so we gave her a Bible. And then, of course, witnessed her and she said, well, you know, it's too late for me. She said, I've grown up all my life hearing there is no God. I've grown up believing in communism. She said, it's too late for me. But I'm hoping maybe my children will embrace Christianity. What a strange thought. We left her a copy of the Word of God in May. We were back in October. She read the Bible all the way through and was on it the second time. And she said, you know what? I realized it's not too late. 
God can still save me. What a joy it was that she gave her heart to Jesus Christ and got born again. You know why? Because God, uh, God's Word will do the work of God. If we can get it out to a lost and dying world, we sit with a Bible in our lap. We have Bibles in our home. And I'm not scolding us, but all across this world there are people who have never even seen a copy of the Word of God. And God's Word is the answer and it has the message. But we got to get it out get the camels to take it uh, to the mission field. And boy, uh, you might say, Brother Graham, I would never want to go there. But thank God for the missionaries that will go on your behalf and you and I can just hold the ropes while we send them to do the work in places where the gospel needs to be preached. Those young dromedaries, another form of camel or what we need. They're swift. And uh, we need some new recruits. We need some young people. Young people, let me tell you something. The greatest life in all the world is living for Jesus. And I'm not against you having a career. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we get nervous. I've had parents say, I'm so afraid God will call my child into the ministry. One lady said that to me one day. Brother Graham, I just couldn't stand it. What if God called one of my children they had to move to a foreign field? I just couldn't handle that. I want them to live close to me. And the first one lived closer and got out of God's will and got her life in a mess. And the second one got their life in a mess. And finally she said, you know, I've changed my mind if God wants my child. Listen, I want to tell you something. I'd rather my children live halfway around the world in the will of God than next door to me out of the will of God. I'd rather they'd serve Jesus and make a difference for His cause before it's everlasting too late. And I'm not going around the country trying to call everybody into the ministry. But I am saying this, if God has called you, it's the greatest life you could ever live. Just be mindful to the Lord. But oh, the message needs to get out. And then notice the praise among the people. The Word gets out in verse 16 as uh, they send these messengers and they go around and they're spreading the good news. They're telling them, hey, hey, the Jews don't have to die. And by the way, just in case somebody in your province doesn't hear the message, you can get some weapons. You can protect yourself. You can be on guard. You can be ready. And man, I'm telling you, it's exciting. And boy, the Word's gotten out and all the Jews realize they don't have to die. Uh, that Haman's uh, commandment has been overridden by the new commandment of the King. And I'm so glad, dear friend, that I'm not going to heaven because of what I've done. I'm not going to heaven by my good works. I'm not going to heaven because I've impressed God, but I'm going to heaven because one day I realized I was a sinner. I recognized Jesus died on the cross. I bowed my head and my heart and invited Jesus Christ to come into my heart to save me, to forgive me of my sins. I repented of my sins, received Christ in my heart, and He gifted me with everlasting life. And He'll do the same thing for you. What a blessing that is. But think about the praise among the people. In verse 16, the Jews had light and gladness, and joy, and honor. By the way, there's something exciting about being saved. Light. Gladness. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go in the house of the Lord. I get nervous around some Christians. To be honest with you, because I think if they were to write that verse, they'd say, I was mad. When they said to me, let us go. I mean, they look mad. Some, I was sad when they said to me, let us go in the house of the Lord. Because they look so sad. The psalmist said, not me, I was glad. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We've got, we've got the right. Really, no one in all the world has more right or reason to be happy than a child of God. We have heaven as our home. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. The Jews had light and gladness and joy. Man, what a great thought that is. The joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. That to peace that passeth all understanding and honor. And so the Bible said, in every province and every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. Listen to this next statement. And many of the people of the land became Jews. 
for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. So what are you saying, Brother Graham? When we take the Gospel message out and present to people the truth of that new covenant, that you can be saved by the grace of God, that new testament of salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When you begin to tell people the good news of salvation, listen, I'm telling you, it's contagious. And folks, we don't need to go to the door of people with a sad expression on our face and doom and gloom and say, you wouldn't want what I got, do you? No, no, no. God's people ought to be the most joyous people on planet earth. And I'm telling you, people get excited when they see what Christ has done in your heart and life. Many of you remember Brother Jack Thompson that preached here many times. And oh, what a blessing Brother Thompson was. And who hasn't heard his testimony about when he got saved under the preaching of J. Harold Smith? And then how that when he, when Brother... Uh, Thompson got saved a short time after that. He said it was a rainy day. His father-in-law came and knocked on his door. He said, my father-in-law was a good man, hard-working man, but said he'd drink every weekend. But on a rainy day, he walked to his front door, knocked on the door. He said, I'll never forget it. As he got there, and uh, he said he's standing there and he's all wet. And he takes his hat off and he said, I invited him in. He said, Jack, could Jesus do for me what He's done for you? Folks, I want to tell you something. If you've been saved by the grace of God, we ought to be trying to influence somebody else for heaven. Don't go to heaven alone. Take somebody with you. The praise among the people. Well, our friend in Argentina, who had been in the bus wreck, who had spent two years in rehabilitation in New York, his wife had moved on. She had remarried. The city record said he was dead. He was so devastated, he was going to kill himself. But on the word of a friend, he went to the missionary and said, Sir, I don't know if you could help me, but he told him his story. The missionary laughed. He said, It's really easy to solve your problem. He said, You're dead. You just need to be born again. And the missionary sat down, took the Gospel, led him to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That man got saved, and then the missionary said, Now, go with me. and took him to an attorney. They went to the attorney, told the story to the attorney, and with his help, they appealed to the city government was able to prove that he was the man he said he was. And in the paper, after it was proven he was alive, the headline of the paper said, Man once dead, now born again. And not only was he born again physically as far as the world was concerned, he was born again spiritually. He got saved by the grace of God. And folks, all over this world, there are people that are dying and going to hell. Missionaries that are ready to go if we'll send them. Soul winners ready to tell them we must get the message out and do it swiftly before it's everlastingly too late. The songwriter said we'll work till Jesus comes and I, we really should, but He could come at any moment. So my question for you today is what are we going to do with a world that needs Jesus? If you're saved, are you willing to say, Lord, here am I, send me? If you're you say, Brother Graham, God's not calling me to be a missionary. Are you willing to give so that missionaries can go on our behalf? Are you willing to be a part of the faith promise mission giving in your church and say, by the grace of God, I want to help get the message to those people around the world. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you die today, you're going to spend eternity in a place called hell. It's not necessary. You can be born again. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. No one's looking around. A couple quick questions this morning. How many say, Brother Graham... 
If I died today, if this were my last day on planet earth, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm on my way to heaven. Would you lift your hand real high and say, I know that. Without a doubt, I'm saved. Thank you. Thank you. You may put them down. I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in this world, but if you don't know that, you need to get that settled today. I wonder if there's someone say, Preacher, if I died today, I don't know that I'd be in heaven. Or a preacher, I know I wouldn't be in heaven. And I'd like to get that taken care of, but I'd really appreciate if you'd pray for me. My prayer is not going to save you, but friend to friend, I want to pray for you today. You say, Preacher, I don't know for sure, but I'd like to know. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you're at and say, Preacher, I'm not saved, but I wish you'd remember me in prayer. Is there one like that? How about it, sir? How about it, ma'am? How about it, teenager? Is there one? I don't know, but I'd like to know. And I want to ask across this auditorium today, how many would say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. And God spoke to my heart today about the great need of getting the Gospel to the regions beyond. Pray with me that I would be obedient in whatever God would have me to do. Just slip a hand up across this auditorium. Say, that's my desire. I just want to do what God would have me to do with this thing called getting the Gospel out to the regions beyond. Father, You've seen the hands and certainly more importantly, You know the hearts. And I pray that Your Holy Spirit would work in a very, very special way right now. Lord, it was a physical saving of the Jews as far as protecting them from Haman. Lord, we have a greater enemy in Satan that wants to ruin and wreck the lives of people. And he's no respecter of person. He doesn't care whose life he ruins. God, I pray that if there's one that's lost today, and I'm certain there is, that You would save them before it's everlastingly too late. And then I pray that Christians would just be mindful to the Holy Spirit today Work in this invitation. May Your will be accomplished in Jesus' name.